Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You're tuned into an all-new edition of Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett, Bradley South, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet. He's back. Talk more Ole Miss spring football practices. Play around a buy or sell. Also on the Modern Women phone line, I got Ole Miss defensive back Tylen Knight. It's a football-packed hour of Talk of Champions, so a lot to get to. But first, let me tell you about Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, which powers Talk of Champions. Are you looking for a career change? Maybe COVID threw you for a loop. Maybe it's time that you did something else. Maybe you're just tired of working 9 to 5 for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else. Well, our phone line sponsor, Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, is looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary. You do have to be a resident of Mississippi, but what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. Don't wait around anymore. It's time to make a change. So for more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas Chandler today directly through Facebook or his number at 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. Make the change. Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, the title sponsor of Talk of Champions. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Bradley South, former Ole Miss offensive lineman. Eight-year NFL vet. If you haven't already subscribed, Brett Review Talk of Champions on iTunes. And when you do, give a five-star review. It doesn't matter what you say as long as it's five stars. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and affiliate of 247 Sports. Today's guest on the Modern Woodman phone line is Tyler Knight, Ole Miss defensive back. It's a good one. It's football time. It's spring football. Yeah, baseball, Florida series. It starts tonight against a team that's desperate in Florida. They got swept against South Carolina last weekend. But Ole Miss, 20-4, and 6-0. In the SEC for the first time since 1964, I think is right. So a lot going on, but football rules the day. Brad, what's up, man? How you doing? What's up, Ben? Glenn Boyce did an interview recently with David Johnson. Sat down with him to David for 40 minutes. A lot they covered for a series that's coming out over the next week for the Ole Miss Spirits. So check that out. But I was reading the first one, and Glenn Boyce talked about, in the fall, a return to normalcy for Ole Miss football. What does that mean? Fans in the circle, fans in the grove, filled up, full-on tailgating, the stadium being filled up. Did it fill you up with some hope? Yeah, I mean, I think that's exciting news. I think everybody's obviously excited about it. But, I mean, I think it's the right decision. I mean, if you think about it, um, you know, the vaccine's pretty much available to, to anybody that wants it. So, um, you know, I, I think that there there is a solution that, that, that you can get the vaccine and and um, everything's kind of at your own risk now. Whatever, whatever can be provided is provided. So um, I think it's time to open it up and let everybody assume their own risk. 
you and I have been around Ole Miss sports our entire life. You played for Ole Miss football. What did you miss the most? Now, you haven't been able to go to a games for a long time. But what did you miss the most about not having the full Ole Miss experience last fall? Well, yeah, I mean, I think I think that one of the reasons I moved here, one was because I knew I was going to partner up with Colby Arsenault and, 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 and work here. And then two was to, to be able to bring my kids to all the Ole Miss sporting events just just as I, I grew up going to games. So um, I thought that would give us something really cool to do as a family year round. And, um, you know, as soon as I get here, we we were ripping and tearing, going to all the Ole Miss baseball games, you know, Tuesday nights, all, all over the place. The kids are starting to love it. And then, boom, it gets shut down. So, um, and it's taken really a full year um, to kind of get the get the full, um, you know, to, to get it back to where you even have an option to go to a game. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think I just missed the, the being able to um, bring my kids out there. They started to really love it. And then, um, you know, the, the kind of it's kind of one of the draws to Oxford is is the, the – um, you know, the, the, the sports seasons where you can go out to dinner, go out and, um, you know, go to a game and stuff. So without that, I mean, it's a, it's a fairly boring town. The stadium would have been absolutely electric last year in the first season under Lane Kiffin, but now having not gotten that and then for them to go five and five and win the Outback Bowl, if the crowd, the attendance at Swayze Field is any indication, football is going to be an absolute circus. So, yeah, last year it would have been insane. But now, because of that pent-up football energy from not getting it and then having Lane Kiffin perform anyway, I think we could be in for some insane crowds. Some crowds we haven't seen since maybe, obviously, the 2014 Ole Miss-Alabama game. But also, LSU-Ole Miss 2003. Getting those pretty much every week. Yeah, you, you have two things working for you this year. I mean, you have... You have a, a team that's going to be pretty good team, pretty competitive team, I, I would say. And then you have um, the whole crowd that that maybe if you're taking Ole Miss for granted, you really saw how much you miss it once it was kind of taken away for a year. So um, those two together, and then you got people that are that are, that are solely just you know they they're sick of missing games, they're sick of sitting at home, and um, they're going to come no matter what. Now I don't think many people are going to take those non-conference games for granted anymore. I think that, I think you're going to see full stadiums you know, all year and, um, people are really appreciating, you know, the, the, the being able to get out of their house and go to sporting events. So, yeah, I think this year more than any, you know, not you have a good team, but you have, um, people that are really hungry to get out and get to sporting events. Ole Miss opens in Atlanta against Louisville. That's going to be a great game. I bet Ole Miss fans absolutely flood Atlanta for that game. But usually in a normal year, doesn't matter who the head coach is, doesn't matter how good the team is, Ole Miss opens its home opener with Austin Pay. Let's not pretend like Ole Miss usually would pack the stadium for Austin Pay. This year? Oh my God. Everybody's going to be showing up for Austin Pay. Austin Pay, you're going to have the biggest crowd you've seen in years. Yeah, I, I would absolutely agree with that. I mean, it's a, um, yeah, I mean, that no one's going to want to skip a chance to see a, see a sporting event this year. I mean, no. may, maybe maybe in future years, but not, not this year, man. I mean, this is, you know, you, people are just dying to get back into the stadium and, and get that experience. And there's, when you think about it from this standpoint too, there's a lot of people like myself growing up that that was really the only thing we had to do. You know, we didn't go on vacations. We went to Ole Miss sporting events and there's kids out there. There's families out there that, 
that didn't have that this year. And, um, you know, that that's what their families live for. That's what they look for. And, um, you know, it sounds simple, but there's a lot of people that really lean on Ole Miss sports to, to create a good, a family experience for them, especially, especially here in Mississippi. So, um, I, yeah, I think, I think you can expect the, the stands to be packed. What really hit me pretty hard is my family been go- has been going to Ole Miss games since I was born. It's what really got me into this job, to be honest with you. And we've avoided taking Riley, my youngest, because she was too young. You don't take a one-year-old, a two-year-old, a three-year-old. It's just, it's miserable for you as a parent. You're just sitting there in the heat. I'm not because I'm in the press box. But my wife is sitting there in the heat with my dad, and you got a baby that you're having to deal with. This was supposed to be the first year, her being four, of getting to actually go to a game. She's never experienced an Ole Miss football game, ever. She doesn't know what I do. She just thinks that I'm at home every day, sitting in front of a screen, talking to you, or watching an Ole Miss sporting event. She actually doesn't know what Ole Miss football is. She's been four years on this earth and has no clue really what Ole Miss football is. So for me, that's when I went, oh, God, how much was lost? And sports, in the grand scheme of things, doesn't really matter. But for me, it's my everyday. For you, I mean, it's been your everyday forever. And for a lot of kids out there, they haven't even experienced it yet. So my youngest will actually get to experience. And Ole Miss gets Austin Pay, then Tulane. And never before in Ole Miss history will the crowds be better for an Austin Pay and for a Tulane than they will be this year. The only thing I wish they would change, and I'm going to stay this way. It's not going to change at all. Liberty, November 6th. I have no idea why they've kept that game on the schedule. I don't know what the benefit of that game is. It's all risk, absolutely no reward. It's sandwiched in between a trip to Auburn and then home for Texas A&M. Why are you still playing that game? It's going to be a circus. It's a nationally relevant game because of Hugh Freeze and his return. The only way to handle that properly is to honor Hugh Freeze with a video, maybe a pre game type of uh, ceremony for him, bring out the Sugar Bowl trophy or whatever. But it's going to be otherwise absolutely nuts as far as a national media coverage standpoint. The Dan Wolkins of the world, they're going to show back up, Pat 40, come out of the woodwork. You don't need that in November. I thought that game was in early September, and then I looked at the schedule earlier today and went, oh my God, November 6th? Why? Why is that game still on the schedule? I wouldn't want to be feeding the beast any more than it's already going to be fed. I mean, my God, after Tulane, you got at Alabama, Arkansas, at Tennessee, LSU, at Auburn, Liberty, Texas A&M, Vanderbilt, Mississippi State. Yeah, I mean, the I I, am, I particularly like, I, I, think, I think the game's perfect, man. I mean, I think it's... Um, <laughs> I, I want I want that game to happen just for just for the the sheer fact of it's the 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 interest the interesting storylines of it. I mean, um, but there's only one storyline, Brad, and you know Hugh Freeze. Look, Hugh and I we bury the hatchet, so I have no issue with you. But you know how Hugh is. It's going to be the Hugh Freeze week. Everybody's going to be talking to Hugh. Hugh's going to grant every single person that wants one an interview. It's going to be all on him. It's not going to be about Liberty. It's not going to be about Ole Miss. I just, if you're Ole Miss, you have nothing as far as upside with that game. If you win, you did what you were supposed to do, and there's no storyline after Saturday. But the only way it can be an interesting story is if you lose to your former head coach, who you fired in shame, 
coming back, getting his vengeance. He believed for the longest that Ole Miss was wrong for not standing behind him, even though they stood behind him for so long until they discovered the phone calls. Still believes they shouldn't have fired him. Enacting his revenge in a season where Ole Miss could win eight, nine, ten games. Look at the schedule. Look at the returning talent. He could be a season ruiner for Ole Miss. I, I don't think so. I mean, I, I just think I, I, the reason why I'm excited is because we have a good team. We have a Matt Kraut quarterback. We have a you know we have a solid roster. We're gonna have a great offense. I just don't think I, I don't think that he'll he'll be able to. Um, if we're to the point when we play Liberty that we're worried about losing to them, that's fair. We, then we've had a disappointing season. Period. That's fair. Uh, you know, I, I don't mind him coming in here and then, um, you know, getting his ass whooping in this free check. So uh, <laughs> whatever storyline they want to give us, if Ole Miss is at the level of being worried to lose to Liberty, then it's all around a disappointing season. And it just is what it is at that, that, that point in the season. The only way it's disappointing is if Ole Miss, in the second year of Lane Kiffin, doesn't live up to high expectations with a team that's going through spring football practices right now. And Brad went to a practice recently. We talked about it on Tuesday. And it brings us to this Thursday pod with Tyler Knight coming up in just a little bit for the first round in a long time of Buy or Sell. It's Buy or Sell here on Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Tyler Knight, Ole Miss defensive back, coming up on the Modern Woman phone line here in a couple of minutes, 10, 15 minutes or so. Buy or sell, Mr. Expert, who's been to practice, Luke Altmeyer or John Rice Plumley as the backup quarterback in 2021? Um, I'm going to sell that based off what I saw and, and some conversations that I've had. Um, I think the ideal plan would be this for Ole Miss at quarterback. I think you roll Matt Corral out there, and that's obvious. I think Dent is is the backup, and and the reason being is I think they want to try to, if at all possible, redshirt Altmaier. I mean, that's the best case scenario, right? You have a, a redshirt freshman potentially going to be starting the following year with four years to play. So I think unless unless you need, unless you feel like Luke is that far along. And that he is, um, you know, ready to go. I think that um, I think you go with Dent as as the backup. And, and at practice, I mean, Dent was taking a lot of almost every one of the second team reps because the way they split up the fields, which is another thing I thought was really really cool by Lane Kiffin is he had all the newcomers. You know, they're in the drills with the with the older guys, or whatever. But when it comes to team, he split them up on on you know behind them you know, running their own plays and stuff so they can get called up to speed. And, and that's huge for, for, for one reason. And that's confidence. I mean, you don't want to throw a kid that's supposed to be in high school in the spring in there with the older guys and them start doing like shit, you know, struggling and then their confidence gets shot and they can never bounce back from it. So I thought that was just a really smart, smart job by Lane and staff to, to let those guys get the spring to really get called up, um, you know, get, get caught up to speed. And then maybe in camp, you start throwing them out there with the, with the older guys. Cause right now they're honestly, I mean, this new day and age, they're not even supposed to be here at Ole Miss. I haven't heard a lot just myself from spring football practices, but one thing I've heard is that Ken K Dent, he's looked fine. He looks like if he was thrown into a game, he could handle it. He knows the offense. There's a reason why he didn't go into the transfer portal. There's a lot of reasons why kids shouldn't go to the transfer portal. 
but Kincaid didn't solve the path for him that he could be the primary backup to Matt Corral. He's, he throws a good ball, a good deep ball. John Rice Plumley is not a quarterback in this offense. He just doesn't fit this system. He and Lane Kiffin can have a conversation in the summer all they want, but the outcome is going to be the same. He's not going to be a quarterback. So it's going to be whether or not you're ready to be a wide receiver full-time or a Swiss Army knife, whatever it might be, John Rice Plumley is not going to be a quarterback. So Kincaid Dent, you're the primary backup for Matt Corral. Unless, God forbid, something happens to Matt Corral where Ole Miss loses him for the year, then, then you turn to the very best guy, whether that's Luke Altmaier or Kincaid Dent. Whoever yeah. that is at that point. But initially, they want Kincaid Dent to be the number two guy. Yeah, Dent, and, and to be honest with you, Dent has a pretty live arm. Almost, he's one of those guys who throws the sh- throws the crap out of the ball. Um, at times, I, w- I was wondering, you know, does this guy have any touch? Because I mean, he was he threw some balls, just went straight through hands. And that's I played with a guy before named Tyler Bray, who was that was kind of his thing, man. His ball was so hard to catch, because, and he threw the crap out of the ball, really strong arm. But I mean, the touch was <laughs> the touch was was barely there, man. So yeah, he throws a hard ball. He, he, he's definitely got a got a hose for an arm. And then, in just looking at a lot of the drills, um, I mean, Luke Luke looked like a, a high school kid out there. I mean, he's definitely got the talent, throws it well, but um, you know, he's he's got some catching up to do, man. Which is to be expected. He's what three, four practices in. I mean, it's going to take him a while. Yeah. Quarterbacks, it's going to take him a while. But when you watch Kincaid Dent, is it fair to say he's not a guy that you want to rely on long term? And that's not a knock on him. Because there's a lot of value in being a good backup quarterback. Every team needs one. So his value is, look, Matt Corral, there's a good chance he's out for a series or two because he gets hit hard, and you got to go in, and you can run the offense effectively. But if I have to rely on you long-term, that's not ideal. So obviously, Ole Miss long-term wants it to be Luke Altmaier. That's who they're trying to develop and make the guy. But Kincaid Dent, you bring your value by being capable in a pinch to go to you. So is it fair to say that, that as long as they don't have to rely on him long-term, he can certainly have a role at Ole Miss and actually do some good. Yeah, absolutely. And, and he kind of fits, I mean, he fits the scheme. He has a really strong arm. He can throw, you know, he was throwing some pretty, pretty nice deep balls, um, you know, out there. So he's, he's one of those guys who could surprisingly do decent. I mean, cause he's got a good enough arm to kind of fit this, this scheme as this scheme calls for a dude that can absolutely sling it. I mean, that's, that's that's why Matt Corral has became Matt Corral, and and, um, and anybody that says they saw this coming before before it was coming is is full of shit because um, Matt Corral fits the offense and it kind of requires a dude that can absolutely you know toss the ball. And Dent Dent's one of those guys after seeing him live. I mean, he has a pretty good arm. I mean, and he's not slow either. I mean, he's not like a, a big lurchy type guy. So yeah, I mean, I think he could be a serviceable backup, and and, and he feels that he feels that that band aid role of hey I, if. If something were to happen, um, we don't want to just throw Altmaier in there, waste a year, and um, you know him potentially play like crap and and turn out to be like a like a maybe like a Bo Nix or something, somebody who just you know, has been in there for every year and just hasn't really really taken the next step because maybe he was in there a little too early. Yeah, that's a good point. Because if you throw in Luke Altmaier too early, not only do you run the risk of maybe throwing his development off course but also ruin the kid's confidence. And effectively, you're just trying to get the production that you would otherwise get from Kincaid Dent, who's been in the system for a couple of years, from Luke Altmaier in his first couple of appearances or whatever it might be, if it's next year. So Kincaid Dent needs to be that guy. 
because Luke Altmaier now is not what Luke Altmaier is going to be in a year. You're banking on the potential with him and what he can be, not what he is right now. What Ken K. Dent is right now is better as far as serving as the backup to Matt Krause. As far as the system goes, you brought it up, you touched on it. What do they value the most? Is it accuracy, deep ball accuracy, deep ball throwing? What, what in particular with this system do they value the most from their quarterback? Because it's obviously not running. Yeah, I, I think if you if you look at it, it's 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 totally arm talent, man. I mean, they if you look at their their practice, it reminds me so much of a Bruce Arians practice. Every other play, I mean, they're 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 going downtown. And you have to be able to you have to be able to throw it deep accurate. You have to have an accurate deep ball, and um, I think that's obviously what what played John Rice out of, out of having being a potential quarterback for this system is it relies so heavily on 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 your your deep ball accuracy and and being able to to you know fit the ball in there. I mean this is this is a heavy throwing offense, so um, that's why a guy like Dent could easily be the backup, but let's just call it what it is. If Matt Corral's not taking snaps for Ole Miss for some significant amount of time, more, <laughs> we're not going to win many games. Yeah. So, yeah. um, it is what it is that this thing, we have a, a potential Heisman candidate quarterback. Let's just pray he's in there. Like Jeff Levy says, I think score from far. Isn't that what he said? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, and the other day in practice, I mean, it was, it was downtown after downtown. I mean, there's, there's some bit of a deep ball that they're, they're testing the secondary every time with some kind of, you know, deep post or some kind of, um, you know, somebody going up the seam on, on a shoot or something. I mean, there's they they're, they're, they always have a deep option in just about every play that I was looking at. It's a lot like in basketball, college basketball. Well, it was modernized in the NBA, the three point line. Don't settle for mid range jumpers. Why are you throwing the ball seven to 12 yards when you can chunk it and score quickly in 30 to 45, <laughs> same thing with the three point line. You step back one foot and it counts more. It's more efficient. Same thing, I guess, in the passing game of football goes back to football analytics. What's more efficient, an eight yard completion or a bomb that scores second and 10 compared to if you don't complete the eight yard pass, it's still second and 10. I, you much prefer to go efficiently as far as trying to complete that big bust play for the defense that big long completion. Yeah, I think, I think you just, it's just a heavy mix. I mean, if it's a defense knows um, that, that there's always a potential of the ball, you know, going over top of their head. Well, then that opens up the run game because they're not going to sit up there and play in the box and, um, and crowd the box knowing that, um, you know, a Dennis Jackson or somebody with some, with some, you know, high end speed is going to be running over your head. So, it kind of benefits the, the whole offense if you can, you know, if you can be a good deep ball team, um, it, it gets people out of the box. Your boy, Dennis Jackson, you raved about him, and then Ole Miss football goes out on Twitter and posts a long completion, a deep pass to Dennis Jackson, totally vindicating everything you said about him on this podcast on Tuesday. So buy or sell Dennis Jackson as the starting slot. No, I, I, I'm going to sell that for the main reason is, is what I was told was, hey, Dennis, Dennis is, has been inside. We've had him inside, um, but but we're, we're done with it. That experiment's over. We're putting him outside. He's he's going to be our deep ball guy. Um, he just got too too. He's too fast. He's he's you know he he can absolutely blaze. The guy can can glide. Um, you know, he, he, we're going to start sending the kid deep. So I, I think he's going to get a lot of playing time outside. And yeah, that, that video looked a lot like the practice I saw. I mean, I, I listen, I, I just judged off what I saw 
and and right away he was outside he was going downtown and they were hitting him multiple times and you know pretty pretty tough to go pretty tough guy to guard when you're when you're when you're when you got that kind of speed which for me i was blown away i mean when you if you would told me the day before i went to practice that danish jackson would impress me i had no clue who that kid was kid was i mean literally there was even a time where you asked yep. me about him podcast and yep. i had to stop thing i had no clue who dennis jackson is i just was looking at guys that i thought really impressive and right away i was watching the one-on-ones and the kid can absolutely move and there's there's no doubt about him and you saw in the video that almost posted I, I think that he's been playing out of position the whole time he's here and now now they're going to to put him outside and and start sending him downtown where where he can use some of his strengths see what i appreciate about your analysis from spring practice when you went out there look what we do is not all that serious but when you're going out there, yeah, I poke fun at you and call you a homer, but that's just me being me, me being a dork. But the thing is, when you're going out there, you're not looking for guys that are sucking. You're looking for the guys that are sticking out, that are performing, that are standing out that maybe you didn't recognize. And Dennis Jackson is a good example of that. And you touched on exactly what I was going to bring up. I was talking to you, I think for a buy or sell, man, months ago, and brought up Dennis Jackson. And we had to pause the podcast when we were recording because you didn't know who he was. So no. going into a practice or whatever, and you'll go back out there and you'll make your observations again, and we'll make it a thing for spring football for this podcast. But going out there, you're not looking for the guys that are disappointing, for the guys that aren't doing anything to pick these kids apart. It's sports. It's dumb sports. Of course you can be a homer. You're an Ole Miss guy. You went to the pros. You repped Ole Miss, all these things. You've been an Ole Miss guy your entire life. But more than that, you're going out there to see about the Dennis Jacksons of the world. That's the whole point yeah. of this thing. No doubt. And, and at the end of the day, I'm never, um, it's just not my style to come on here and, and say anything super negative about a kid, especially some of these kids are, are 18, 19 years old, man. And a lot of people don't realize how hard it is to, to, to get, get to where they are and to do what they're doing. And, um, just not my style. I'm, I'm I mean, if, if I think ne- negatively of a kid, I'll give my honest opinion, but I'm never going to bash a kid. That's just not me. I don't, I'm not paid to do this. I, this isn't my, my main job. So I'm, I'm never going to bash a, bash a player, um, you know, to that. I, I'll give a fair assessment of, of what I think as a player, but I, I, I'm, that's just not my style to, to absolutely you know, go after a, a player or talk, talk bad about a player. That's just, it's too hard to get there. And, and, I, and I respect what they do too much. I, I know how hard it is. I've been in their shoes. Look, man, I had a carousel of co-hosts for a long time on this podcast. And then Brad said, I'll do it. And so you came in and you did it. You're not making any money off of it. Yeah, if I make fun of you a little bit because I'm bullish on Jerry on Ely's NFL potential, but you're not, that mean you're negative. Just means you're being fair. But if you think that Brad's going to go out there and try to pick the team apart or pick out guys that suck, it's just it's not the point of the whole thing. And that's why the Danish Jackson story itself is one to follow and really cool. But what does it mean for Jonathan Mingo? Where is he? What is he playing? Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, when I was out there, I did I didn't I think Mingo may have been he may have been hurt or or not in there. I, I know Braylon Sanders wasn't there either, and um. You know, anytime you're giving guys chances to take your reps, um, it's never, never a good thing. But I mean, I think we're going to need all bodies. I mean, uh, I think Amingo is going to have a role. They're going to figure it out. I mean, these the, you're going to need in this offense, you're going to need a good handful of receivers. But um, I know right now the guy I saw out there that impressed me the most in the wide receiver core was definitely, definitely Jackson. I, I would say he was, he was the guy that absolutely shocked me. I mean, I, I had no clue who the kid was. And then, you know, he was, he looks, his his speed caught my eye right away just because I've I mean I've been around some really fast receivers and I mean he was he was he was blazing by people. 
the reason I bring up Mingo is because it feels like we've been waiting on him for so long. And this spring in particular feels really important for him not to be repping. He can't help it if he's injured, but it just feels like he needs to be out there because you make a really great point. Not only did Dennis Jackson step up for the first handful of practices, but you got Quay Davis in here now. You got Jacor Pearson in here now. You got some guys coming in in the fall, the newcomers. Once they get their feet underneath them, if you're a Jonathan Mingo, you cannot allow them to take your reps because you're not an established guy. You didn't establish yourself in the first two years, so you can't take anything for granted. So it feels like he needs to be out there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there was always an old saying, you can't make the club in the tub. And um, that's always something I always thought of in my career. Like I, I never wanted to sit out unless I, I absolutely had to. I mean, I'm talking like absolutely had to. So um, anytime you're giving someone else a, a chance to take your reps, um, they could always do something that could, um, you know, really, that could, you know, impress or, or you're just giving them a chance to take your spot basically. So um, hopefully, hopefully he's back in there. I don't, I don't know. I thought was only out there the one day, but um, yeah, he'll, he'll certainly be a part of the offense, but um, you know, it's, ne- it's never, never, um, never suggested route to let, to let others go in there and, and take reps and then look good over you. No, you're going back out there. That's your job. Now, roaming reporter, Bradley Sow for the talk of champions podcast. You learn a job. I'll, I'll go out there if, if I have the time. All so, right, okay. I mean, we'll see. All right. Buy or sell Dontario Drummond as the number one wide receiver. Oof, I'm going to, um, I'm going to buy it just because I, I had weird that you mentioned Drummond. I'm going to buy it because I, I think that um, there's two different people that have told me something that absolutely shocked me. Um, you know, one being a coach, one being a guy that's around the program a lot that actually works up there. He's, um, you know, heavily involved in the program. Um, they told me that, that Don Tierra Drummond has the best hands that have ever came through Ole Miss, including D to D DK, AJ, any of the receivers, they say he makes some of the craziest catches, um, in practice. And he actually did make one while I was there, but I thought that was kind of shocking. I mean, I didn't, I didn't think Drummond was, was that kind of guy, but apparently he has like amazing hands. Um, doesn't ever, never drops the ball, makes some crazy catches. Um, but yeah, I mean, just judged off the way, the way that he's been talked about, I think he is you know, a guy they view as potentially the the best receiver or the number one guy. But, you know, I think in this offense, no matter who is in there, I think the slot's going to be the guy that's going to be who they would like to be the number one guy. So I think that's the guy that will end up having some of the best production in the offense, just, just the way the offense is designed. But, um, yeah, I think they view him as probably their best receiver. Who is the slot then? Um, I mean, judge off watching practice. I mean, I, I would say that, um, yeah, I think it's the kid from Western Kentucky, the, the Pearson kid. I mean, just, just based off of, you know, reps and, and how many balls he caught. I mean, he caught a, a quite a few balls in the team periods. You know, he, it, it wasn't like he was, um, you know, some kind of rotation in guy that was, I mean, he was a heavy part of the offense, whether it be jet sweeps, whether it be, you know, quick throws to him, um, you know, slants over the middle. I mean, he was getting the rock and, and this was with the one. So, um, unless they don't plan on, unless they plan on somebody else being the starting slot, um, they sure were feeding him a lot of balls in practice. So that's who I would guess. Well, this is my obligatory for the fans. Could that be John Rice? Um, 
see here here's how I view John Rice. Okay. I I I know people are thinking, hey, he can go beat Elijah Moore. Like, he's just not here's the thing. Here's the thing, because I don't want to stop you because keep your thought. But I go to the movies the other day. I go to see Godzilla versus Kong, and the guy who let us see it, he's a huge old miss man. So every time I go to this movie theater, it's hey Ben, and then it's all old miss for 30 minutes, and then we finally get to see the movie. And immediately he's asking me about what you said on Tuesday and all this other stuff. And then, well, who's going to play the slot? And I was like, well, here's this guy, this guy, this guy. He goes, well, the best option is, is over there playing baseball right now. I think a lot of Ole Miss fans feel that way, and I don't know if that's necessarily the case. No, they, they really need to get that out of their head. I mean, that's – listen, John Rice is going to be nothing more than some kind of offensive weapon. I mean, you saw Lane in the bowl game. Bring him, put him in the backfield, send him on a wheel route versus linebackers, but he's not going to be the lineup in the slot and be the shifty – just breaking dudes off kind of guy. It's just not him. I mean, he's very fast, yeah, but he's not that 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 super shifty slot guy that you want in the slot. He's he's going to be a weapon. He's going to be used on offense some kind of way with his speed, but um, it's going to be you know play Pacific. It's going to be matchup Pacific. They're going to want to get him matched up on some linebackers. Um, you know, maybe get him the ball in some sweeps. Maybe do some, but he. I, I think the thinking of John Rice as a starting slot is so unrealistic. I, I can't even begin to explain how unrealistic that is. He just doesn't move that way. That that's not his. Um, you know that that's he. It, you have to be a lot shiftier to to be very successful in that role in this offense. But he does have a role. But it's it's going to be very package specific. I just don't think one guy is going to replace Elijah. It's going to be multiple guys doing all the things he did well but they're just focused on one area of that, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, there's, it's going to be spread out there. You're going to have a, a, a quite a few good wide receivers with some young guys behind them. And then, you know, it, it's, it's going to be spread out a lot more. I mean, uh, there is going to be no re- replacing Elijah Moore. He's a, he's going to, he's an elite player. He's, he was a good receiver for us. So, um, but you're going to have some good options to, to, to make some plays. I just, um, I think people with having the mindset that John Rice is going to be a slot like Elijah is, I mean, that's just setting the kid up for absolute yeah. failure. <laughs> yeah, you're just, you're setting yourself up if you're an old Miss for disappointment too. I mean, yeah. I mean, he, he, is he going to play some wide out and do some, do some stuff? Absolutely. Is he going to go in the slot and break dudes off and like be this Julian Edelman? <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> All right. So Dontario's hands, as far as NFL scouts go, is that where it starts or is it get off in the ability to break down at the line of scrimmage? No, I mean, it's just the total package. It, listen, when, when NFL guys look for look for being able to create separation with your feet. So when I say that, and and I was able to experience this for the first time when I actually played a skill position, is you look at like Allen Robinson, he's able to get open with his feet. I mean, he is, he's so quick at getting out of his breaks. He's able to stick it at the top. He's able to, to to give body language that creates that separation. That to me, which is which creates a good route runner. That to me is the most important thing for a receiver. There's a lot of fast dudes. There's a lot of dudes that that are that are quick, but some guys can't get open. They can't get open with their feet. They can't um, you know create that separation. They can't um, you know stick knot at the top. They can't do a lot of stuff getting out of routes to get them open. I mean, you look at it, when I played with Kevin White, he had elite talent, super. I mean 
high draft pick, ran a you know four three forty, but he he just couldn't get out of his breaks the same way that that a quicker footed guy could. So he never was the receiver that he was drafted to be. So I, I think the most important thing is certainly route running and and being able to to get open with your feet and and then catching is a part of that. But um, I mean I don't think we're ready to be talking about drumming getting drafted or anywhere close to that yet. See that's why Elijah Moore is going to stick and be good in the NFL from day one. He's an elite route runner. Yeah, I, I I truly do believe that. After watching him live, I mean, he's given if he's put in the right offense. Now, I mean, there's there are really there are some really goofy coordinators out there that that could try to stick a guy like Elijah in the wrong situation, and maybe he doesn't look as good. But given you know, put the guy in the slot. Let him kind of use his his feet and his um, you know quickness and his his ability to get out of breaks, to get open, and he'll be a receiving you know he'll be a he'll be a guy that has a, a lot of targets and a, and a lot of catches. Um, I don't think he's necessarily a crazy down downtown threat, but you know could be you know maybe he he runs that four three all the time when he isn't playing eighty plays a game, but. I see him getting a lot of receptions, um, you know, in the slot and, and, and being a solid NFL player. If, if Elijah Moore isn't a really good NFL player, I would be shocked. I think he has the right mindset. I think he's he's got that type of talent. Um, let's just hope he goes to a team that that has a clue and that that knows how to how to use him. If he's not an elite first day good wide receiver, that at worst is Emmanuel Sanders by the end of his career, I'll eat one of my flip flops. <laughs> Oh man, that's great. You just can't um, convince me that he's not going to be good because of his elite route running. The reason why DK dropped is not because of the physical attributes. Everybody loved DK. He's a monster. He's a transformer. But there were questions, legitimate questions about his ability to change direction. And we all make fun of the cone drill because it's ridiculous. Cause you look at him, you say, Oh God, he's an NFL player, but I get why he fell down some boards. He shouldn't have fallen as far as he did. But there was some legitimate concern about his ability to change direction. With AJ, there were some health concerns and some top-end speed concerns. Elijah, the only reason why anybody is trying to ding him, and this is the only thing I can think of, is he's 5'9", 5'10". Let's be honest, he's 5'9". That's the only reason why. Yeah, well, 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 you get revert to a guy like DK. Now, DK has something that, that only God can give you, and that's this unbelievable physicality yeah like body. a 20 pack yeah that 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 is i mean the the not only can he run extremely fast that you as a db there's no way you're coming down on a dk um i mean he, he will absolutely physically dominate you with his size and strength so um he provides he provides something that that only very few have so that's why a guy like that can succeed without being this crazy quick guy he's legit get outside outrun you if you come up on me i'm going to absolutely blast you physically um he's a straight downtown deep guy i mean he is he is he's got some he's a special special talent when it, i mean not many guys can 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 be built like dk and 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 you know be be the way he is We'll get right back to Bradley Sal in this edition of Talk of Champions after I tell you briefly about Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. Finally, at long last, Oxford is getting back to normal. The sun is shining. Those dreary winter months, they're behind us. Better yet, you actually get to experience Ole Miss Athletics events in person. What a world. What better way to get there than in a new car, truck, or Jeep? The only place to go for your next vehicle is Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. 
they'll take care of you. And I know because I've bought a car there myself. And the experience was too easy. Seamless even. Their only goal is to get you in the vehicle you've always wanted at a good price. So reach out today. Don't wait. Give them a call. 662-234-8000. That's 662-234-8000. Or stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue. That's 2201 East University Avenue. Just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Sheep Ram of Oxford. Let's be friends. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Bradley South, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions on iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. It doesn't matter what you say as long as it's five stars. Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and affiliate of 247 Sports. Tyler Knight, Ole Miss defensive back. He's coming up in about 10 minutes or so. we got to finish by ourselves. Buy or sell some newcomers thrown in with the first team this spring? Um, I don't think so. I, I think newcomers, maybe some of the Juco guys, but as far as any freshmen, I would be shocked at, to, if they get thrown in there. And, and as I reverted to earlier, um, something really neat was, you know, Lane had the, the field split up, which, um, you know, as I said earlier, it, I think that was really cool. Um, you know, he's given those guys times to want time to learn the plays. Cause I mean, when you come in as a freshman, the playbook is nothing like most high school coaches. If you have a guy that came from a high school is anywhere near similar to what Ole Miss is doing offensively, I'd be shocked. Um, so it's giving them time to kind of learn some, some language and then also get it against guys that, that are, you know, on the same level as them mentally right now and getting a little bit of success, feeling like you kind of belong. And then, you know, I, I don't, I just don't think he throws them, throws any of the freshmen in there until, until camp. I think this spring they, they're, they're going to, they're going to kind of be split from, from the bunch. We've learned Luke Knox has moved to tight end somewhat surprising buy or sell Luke Knox is a tight end. I mean, I'll have to sell it for now because I honestly did not see the kid, um, you know, at tight end at all. But one thing that is encouraging is that, you know, obviously his brother did it and let's hope that we, he can be halfway, you know, or somewhere similar to that, or maybe, maybe he moves that, but here's, what's going to happen at tight end. And this is what I honestly believe as I've talked to some people up there, um, coaches, whatever, um, that they just that they're they're just looking. I mean, they're they're, they're looking for one. They they do not have one, so there 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 isn't a guy out there. Um, but they're just waiting to see if one comes available, and then they're going to try a bunch of guys. I mean, they they obviously they're really excited about Hudson Wolf, um, but he's you know he hasn't been able to practice this this spring, and then they're um they're they're just trying guys out. I mean, I, I think that, that, that they're really hoping that, that someone in the portal comes to that position. And if not, it's going to be kind of one of those, um, you know, it may, may or may not be as used as, 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 as typical. Buyer sell Luke Knox scoring one more touchdown than his brother Dawson at Ole Miss, which would be one. <laughs> yeah. I, I, we'll have to see. We'll have to see if, if you got to buy that man. Cause he could just get a fluky touchdown, right? Goal line, he lines up, he's just blocking, and then he catches a touchdown. He's bound to get one more because all he's got to do is get one. Yeah, I mean, I guess he could, you know, he could also, if it didn't work out tight end, get a strip sack and score a touchdown as well. So um, who knows? I'll have to see. I'll, I'll watch out for him next time when I'm out there and see if he if he got the movement or looked somewhat like a tight end. One of the biggest crimes in Ole Miss football history is Dawson Knox not catching a touchdown as a tight end. That is just unbelievable to this day thanks phil longo great job man
buy or sell Jeremy James as the starting right tackle? Um, I'm kind of in the middle of that. I, I'll buy it for now based off of what we have, but I, I do know that the Melton kid is someone that they really like and they're really working with and it looks good. Um, man, you know, I think, it, I think it'll be a competition. I, I think that, um, you know, those two will push it. And then if, if, um, if they can get a, a transfer, I think that's a position to look out for, especially a tackle, um, or maybe a center transfer that way they can get Ben Brown out to guard. I think that's, that's really what they'd like to do, but, um, you know, it's just, it's just a matter if the, if, if they can get, get another guy in there. Is there an obvious guy on the roster that is a good in-house candidate to be a good center that allows Ben Brown to move? I don't think so. I, I, I think that, um, and, and here, here's, here's the reason why is because Matt Crow is, is comfortable with Ben and you don't want to do anything that could potentially hinder their performance of the best player on your team, Matt Corral. So um, this this happened in, in Chicago this past camp um, or two camps ago when I was there, and they tried to move um, you know Cody Whitehair to guard and James Daniels to center. Well, it, it threw Mitch off, and and he was really uncomfortable. He started playing even worse than he already was, and um, they immediately moved Cody back, even though he's better suited for guard. So. Yeah, I don't think you unless you have to do that's a true center that can come in and make it, you know, really flow like a center or a guy that that, you know, you're used to working with. I don't think you do anything that that messes with the quarterback's performance. This has absolutely nothing to do with Ole Miss, but you bring up the Chicago Bears all the time. That's your organization. Should I be excited that the Cowboys signed Brent Urban? Yeah, he's a good player. He's a he's a very, very in shape, big dude, Canadian dude, really, really, really cool guy. Um, plays very hard. He's, he's super tall. He almost looks like an O-lineman, just super tall guy, hard to block, um, long. He's like a um, sort of like Clayus Campbell, but not not quite um, not quite good. But, yeah, he's a very hardworking guy. He made some plays. He made some plays on the Bears defense, and um, he's he's been a good guy. He's with the Titans. I think he was with the, with the Ravens. Um, he's, he's a good, solid player. He's not going to set the world on fire, but he's a good rotational player. That was just for me. Buy or sell Sam Williams as the team leader in sacks, or is there someone else that's flashed this spring? No, that, that, you're going to have to buy that. Just for, I, I saw the guys they had out there rushing, and um, he's by far – I mean, I think he's he's probably going to be our best rusher. You also have 95, I think it's Tavius Robertson. He um, he looked – I was actually surprised at his body. I mean, he's got a, he's got a really big, like – good looking frame. I mean, you, you hope that guy develops and, and becomes a, a really good, um, good rusher as well. But I mean, he certainly looks the part, but I think Sam, the best out of anybody. I mean, I saw number nine, I think that's the Brandon Mack kid, um, undersized, a little bit stiff. Um, I, I don't really didn't see him being, you know, a, um, you know, a, a, as good of a rusher right now as, as, a, as a Sam Williams. Sam's going to benefit from the better talent around him. That's why he's going to be the best sack guy because he's already, as far as what he does well, the best edge rusher they have. But the reason why he's going to perform better and going to lead the team in sacks is because of the talent around him actually commanding attention. Because if the best you had to command attention away from him last year was Ryder Anderson, then by default he's going to be better. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, and I, you, you hope the D-line – in general being better especially with the juco guys coming in will create some some better opportunities for him but at the end of the day you know sam sam last year got in the 
had a little bit of issue before the season, and I think it kind of set him back. Um, but and not to mention they didn't have a spring, so I think I th- don't think he was you know quite the player he could be. But this year, I, I think I think you're really going to see him progress and 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 be the player that he can be. It was a he, he certainly got a got a chance. Buy or sell Miles Battle as a starting cornerback come August? Um, I don't know, man. They, Miles to me is very intriguing. I, I think that. You know, just in talking to a lot of scouts over the years, and, and you know, it's kind of my thing to always, you know, I, I like to like to hear how they think. And one thing they always said is about, you know, a corner that's over six one, if he's halfway decent, he has a chance to be a, a high draft pick because people are going to look at that frame and say, you know what, if he can cover, I can develop him. You know, they're going to they always look at the coaches in college and try to shit on them and say, hey, you know, I can get the most out of this player. These guys in college can't. Sometimes it it definitely works, but. um yeah, I mean, I, I think that that he you know, he definitely got a lot of reps with the ones when I was there, and he he looked to be solid. So I think that'd be an intriguing guy if he can actually be a legit, you know, starter at that frame. I mean, he's gonna <laughs> he, he's gonna intrigue a lot of teams. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I I'm I'm gonna buy it for now, but you know, it, I, I certainly don't think it's a lock. Derek Jones didn't do anything over his Ole Miss career, anything really noteworthy in particular but he was still an NFL draft pick of the Jets at cornerback, even though he ended his career at Ole Miss as a wide receiver. Why? Because he's 6'1", 6'2". And the Jets, like you said, every organization, if they can find one guy like that, they say, oh, we can develop him. We can make him that guy. Because Ole Miss, they thought he was going to be an NFL cornerback. Dave Womack said that early in his career. He's an NFL cornerback. He never got to that place at Ole Miss, but the Jets still said, oh, well, we we can do that. We can make him that. Dude, I'm telling you, man, any time – Anytime there's a corner that they will look past everything when it comes to secondary. If you got a guy that's got some crazy length and can run and can somewhat cover, they always feel like, hey, there's a chance. There's a chance I can make the light come on for this guy. And worst case, we'll make him our fourth corner and he'll be really good on all the special teams because he's super long. I mean, he's a, he's a he's a long body that can that can get off blocks and and you know create some special to maybe block a block a punt. Block I me. Mean, he's that 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 position being over six one or or so at, in the secondary has a lot of value and, and I don't know why, but I just know over the years we always had some some tall corners that you never heard of from random schools that were, were you, you look at a Stephen Denmark on the Bears um maybe maybe still in the Bears practice squad I mean he was drafted kid from Richmond was drafted in the seventh seventh round why because he was tall not a good corner at all when he got there so um. <laughs> Never heard of the guy, and but he was tall, lanky, looked like freaking Richard Sherman, and they feel like, hey, I can develop that guy. So don't be shocked if Miles Battle goes on to play in the NFL for a while. Not a buy or sell, but to end this, who the hell's the kicker right now? Oh, man. I, I have no clue who kickers are, but I did watch Phil Gold because O-Lyman are involved in that, and um I think number 93, no clue who it is. You have to look on the roster, um, was kicking, and it did not look good. So I hope that's not the Costa kid. Uh, maybe is he, not, is he even here He's yet? not here. He's not here. Okay. Well, thank goodness, because that was not the, going to be the kicker. Um, so if I had to guess, it's I'm hoping it's that kid, the the Costa kid that they yeah. were that they recruit. I'm, ho- I'm hoping he can pound it. They're paving the way for a true freshman kicker. Caden Costa, that was their hand-picked guy. Actually bypassed the local kid to sign him. I'm making sure here. 
No, Kale Nation is the guy you're watching. So no, Caden Costa is not here. That's good news. <laughs> That's good news. <laughs> Their kicker's not on campus yet. I didn't know. Somebody asked me that on the message board. They said, hey, Ben, who's the kicker? I had no clue. No clue. I didn't even know who to say to bullshit them. Right? <laughs> I, I didn't even know how to bullshit them. I, I was like, I don't I have no idea. So I just left it unanswered. I figured you maybe you well, saw them. Well, what I think is funny is, so in the NFL, you have one kicker, one punter, one long snapper, okay? And they stand off to the side, and they kind of they do their thing when it's their period. But, like, at Ole Miss, there was, like, three, two or three of each. Yeah. And I'm like, this looks so odd to have, you know, you know, nine guys over there that are just standing around like doing what kickers and snappers do. And that's, you know, um, just get ready for their period. So <laughs> I thought that was interesting. That was Buy or Sell. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett. He's Bradley Sal, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet. Got to go now to the Modern Woman phone line to speak to Tylen Knight, Ole Miss defensive back. Before we do, see you, buddy. Enjoyed it. See you, Ben. Howdy, toddy. Going now to the Modern Women phone line to speak to Ole Miss defensive back Tylen Knight. Before we do, let's hear from B&A Bank and Cheney's Pharmacy, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Oxford, Mississippi is always at its best in the spring and summer. The sun is shining, the square is popping, and you actually now get to go back to Ole Miss Athletics events in person. What could be better? But the only way to truly enjoy everything that Oxford and Ole Miss has to offer is to make sure you're still taking care of yourself, keeping yourself safe, and that you have a pharmacy you know you can trust. Well, there's only one pharmacy in Oxford, Mississippi that can do just that. Cheney's Pharmacy a locally owned pharmacy that's been in Oxford for over 40 years, as red and blue as the rebels themselves. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there, hands down, it's not close. So give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221 or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can visit them online at chaneyspharmacy.com. Make sure your pharmacy is one you can trust. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. The Modern Woodman Phone Line. Cool. We'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel Sports. Modern Woodman. Let's make a difference together. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Going now to the Modern Woodman Phone Line to speak to Tylen Knight. Ole Miss defensive back, running back, wide receiver. He's a Swiss Army knife. Do you really even have a position right now, Tylen? Honestly, I mean, I really don't. Honestly, I've been bouncing around, you know, since I got here. So it's kind of like, you know, plug and play with me. <laughs> it's kind of high roll. Yeah, that's how it's been since you've been here, man. And you did it in high school, too. So it's not new to you. I want to get into that in just a little bit. But first, 
How are things going? How are you doing? Spring football, the first under Lane Kiffin. What's it been like? This is new. Of course, it's new for everybody. You know, like you said, we didn't even really get uh, a chance to have spring last year. So it's kind of all new to us. But on the defense side of the ball, we're we doing pretty good. You know, I don't really want to speak too much on the offense because, you know, I'm not over there on that side. But as far as the defense, you know, because I'm over there with them every day, we getting better every every day. Like, we, I like the direction we're headed. We still got a long way to go. But I definitely like the direction we're headed. You got some new bodies over there on defense, an influx of freshman newcomers, a couple of JUCO defensive tackles. How do you kind of bring those guys along? You've been in that spot before, a freshman coming in wide-eyed, not knowing what to do. How do you help them out? How do you lead them? I mean, kind of how it was for me. I I kind of had to learn, you know, kind of had to learn my way, learn for myself. Because I did have, you know, upperclassmen telling me the way. And like I'm trying to do with them, I kind of tear them away. But at the end of the day, you know, we all going to make our own mistakes. So, you know, it's kind of like you, you give them a good word. You tell them kind of the right things to do, what not to do. But at the end of the day, like, you know, they're they going to make their own decisions. So you just gotta try to um, keep them headed in the right direction as much as you can. Keep a good ear in their, uh, in their head. It's not just newcomers either. You got Jake Springer. The Navy transfer, he's finally eligible. You're going to get Otis Reese for a full year. He was robbed of most all of last season, got in there at the end of the year. But with all the talent added to the defense, and y'all struggled a lot last year, it's no secret, but do you see a difference out there in practices? Honestly, I definitely can't tell a difference. Honestly, it's like a whole new defense. Um, In my opinion, I would say it's like a whole new – we look like a whole new defense. Where do they got you repping right now? Cornerback, safety, nickel? Um, as of right now, I play nickel. Nickel kind of suits you, man, because I know you like the physical nature of playing defensive back, and you got a little bit of Mike Hilton in you. Is that spot kind of play to your strengths? Um, well, I do like the position. It's kind of what I played in high school, but it's not, not as much covering. I ain't really do too much covering in high school. So this, this full spring, you know, this is my full spring at DB, so it's kind of like, I'm loving that I'm being able to get the DB work, you know, seeing the ins and outs of exactly what a DB is supposed to do. Because last year, you know, I just came straight from offense. I was so green. I just hopped out there and was playing, like, just playing off instincts, basically. But, like, now that I'm really getting a chance to learn the defense, learn where my help is, you know, stuff like that, it's helping me a whole lot. What's the biggest draw to defense compared to offense? Is it that physicality? Right, yeah. Uh, that's that's kind of why I gravitate more to the defensive side of the ball because I really, I don't really like getting hit as much as I like hitting people. You know, I'd much rather be the one delivering the lead. <laughs> yeah. Now you're giving the hits instead of taking the hits. I would assume that being on the receiving end of those can't be too particularly fun. But what were the conversations like with Kiffin and the staff in regards to switching positions? Did they approach you about it? Did they have any kind of long conversation with you or anything about it? How did that come about? Um, well, kind of a, you know, I mean, people got hurt, people get hurt, you know, this is our college where people got hurt and, you know, just, I, I guess they thought I was the guy. Cause I mean, it really was real, really wasn't too much talk with me other than they were like, um, would you like to go back to, um, defense? I was like, of course I'd like to go back to defense. You know, I wasn't playing too much on running back. I mean, so I was like, of course I'd go, you know, I'd do anything to help the team out. So it was like, it was kind of a no question for me. When did it start to feel natural for you or that you weren't out of place? Um, in South Carolina was my first game. The first game that it 
that I didn't feel out of place was the Mississippi State game. Oh, now the Mississippi State game, you made the biggest play of the game. We didn't know it at the time, but you forced the fumble at the goal line against Mississippi State. Dean Leonard picks it up, races 84 yards, ran out of gas. He didn't score the touchdown. (laughs) But then Ole Miss offensively punches it in. That turns out to be the difference in the game. So you're saying Mississippi State, that's when it felt normal because then you're making plays and doing what you've always done. Yeah, that's when it kind of felt like, you know, it was all coming back to me, starting to feel more natural. Felt like I was back at home again. They had you playing everywhere in high school too, right? This isn't new to you. Yeah, that's that's what I did. I started on defense, so it was kind of like, you know, we had some players, we had some guys on our team, but, you know, it was kind of like every now and then when we really need a play, like a fourth down play or, you know, just want to change it up or something, want to run a specific play, they'll be like, Hey, TK, go hop on, uh, go hop on offense for a couple plays. You know, run such and such, such and such, and I run it. And you know, we've talked about this before, and it's not like I'm trying to open up old wounds here. But your recruitment process, you didn't have a lot of offers, a lot of interest, and that bothered you. And ultimately, Ole Miss came in with an offer late. What did that mean to you? And just overall, what was that process, that recruitment process like? Oh. Uh, to be honest, my um, recruit process was more depressing. Honestly, I ain't gonna say it was more depressing because, like you said, I felt like I felt like I should have had more offers. But you know, I wasn't I wasn't just solely worried about my um, offers in high school. Like I was putting up, I had the, I knew I had the numbers to match my um, you know, I knew I had the numbers to match you know other top people in the in the state. So I wasn't really worried about my numbers. It was just the fact of I was just. And and at the same time, this really humbled me because, you know, I, th- I thought that I was so good. You know, I had the numbers that, to think that I was good, but at the same time, I wouldn't get no offer. So it was like, you you obviously not as good as you think you are if you're not getting no offer. So it was kind of like, it was a humbling, it was a very humbling experience for me. And it really made, it really brought the better out of me. I'm going to say that because, you know, at the end of the day, Ole Miss took that shot on me. And I, and I always be grateful for them. So, and it was kind of like for me at that time when I um, graduated high school, it was like, you know, I got to fire, I got to fire me for every school that didn't offer me. And it was a lot of them. <laughs> you can go ahead and say it, man. It pissed you off. It pissed you off. <laughs> for lack of a better word. Yeah, you were angry. <laughs> and um, I remember when Ole offered, like I said, it was late. What were those conversations like? What did they like about you? And what led to you getting an offer from Ole Miss? Um... I don't really remember it so, so much why they said they had um, wanted me because they recruited me for running back. You know, I didn't really play running back in high school like that. So it was kind of like, um, I think they had a spot free up or something. So they were like, yeah, we, that's why they had ended up offering me so late or whatever. If I'd have told Tyler Knight back then, the angry prospect that didn't get the offers that he thought he deserved, <laughs> that he would be a couple of years later impacting winning, coming off of a year in which Ole Miss went to the Outback Bowl, First year under Lane Kiffin, a lot of expectations probably going into next year. Y'all certainly got high expectations for yourself, and you're a big part of that. What would that Tyler Knight have said? I would have been a little skeptical because, because I believe in myself when no one else I believe in myself, but I still would have been a little skeptical if you would have told me that I would be at a D1 school playing defense at 57185. You've grown a pretty good bit, though, hadn't you? Yeah, yeah, a little bit, not too much, you know, just more more muscle mass, you know, than anything. 
As far as out there on the practice fields and the quality of work, offensively, defensively, coming off of last year and the success of last year, can you tell a difference in how y'all go about things? Is there a different look to this team? Of course, I see a difference. I see a difference to get better, you know, because we ain't got some of our major threats that we had um, last year. So there's a, a sense of urgency to replace them, you know, and something like that. But I think the energy, the, um, the enthusiasm to get better, you know, to keep working, it's always there. Now, y'all played with everybody last year, even in losses. Y'all were in every single game. Jacquez Jones says the expectation is to make the college football playoff. Are you kind of in the same boat? Of course, yeah. We're on the same page right there. Made the playoff. Defensively, where can y'all make the biggest jump as far as improvement? Is there one area in particular? Mm, honestly, I would just say I wouldn't single out one position group as I would say the whole defense as a whole because we had a lot of, you know, busts and stuff like that last year that led to us losing some games, you know, directly. So, I mean, I wouldn't just say if it was one position group or one specific, you know, thing that we need to work on. I would just say we just need to get better as a whole, as a whole defense, you know. Well, before I let you go, I wanted to ask you about the Auburn game, that controversial play that shouldn't have been controversial, but you landed on the ball in the end zone, the muffed kickoff return for Auburn. That dude touched the ball, right? Yeah, I definitely scored because, listen, I know for a fact he touched the ball. He just, you can tell by the way he, you can even tell by the way he reacted that he touched the ball. So I kind of feel like they robbed us right there. Oh my God, they robbed you, man. They robbed you. <laughs> you scored a touchdown that should have turned the game. Almost should have beaten Auburn anyway. Which sticks out more, that play that didn't happen or the forced fumble against State? I'm not even going to lie to you. I really wanted to end the game on that forced fumble from State. That was the one. <laughs> I feel like this storyline is overplayed when it comes to the Egg Bowl, but you being an in-state guy, does it mean more to beat Mississippi State? Uh, it definitely means a little bit more, you know, me being from here, them not offering me, that, that played a big part, you know. And then also, um, I don't know if you guys know, but, you know, we are Rogers, he played at Brandon, so it's kind of like, you know, in this play, I guess. So. I don't want to do you like this. I don't want to end it this way, but I got to ask you, what happened in the Outback Bowl, man? Because <laughs> you were hurling out there. Did you eat something bad for breakfast? What happened? Man, we just had just got caught up in a long drive. That sun had got to me. They had drunk a little too much water on the sideline. And you know, they was, I think they were kind of speeding it up on us a little bit. And then my stomach, honestly, my stomach just got too full of the water. And it was like, you got to come out. But honestly, if you ask anybody else here, that's kind of like the most normal thing you'll ever see if you come to one of our practice. you ever see four throwing up, that's the most normal thing you'll ever see. And the best part about it is you let it go, you hurl, and then you play the next play, the next couple plays like nothing happened. I'm telling you, it's a lot of practice. That's all I'm going to say, a lot of practice. (laughs) Oh, that's too good, man. That's too good. Thanks for doing this, Tyler. I appreciate you, man. We'll do it again. Oh, yes, sir. No problem. You have a great one. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.